Lord, if you're real, come and get me. Those are the words of a very unlikely convert. Mary Poplin is a professor of education at the distinguished Claremont Graduate University in Los Angeles County. She grew up a nominal Christian, but by the time she had gotten to the university, she had swapped out her Christian religion for progressive secularism. She accepted all of its premises. She became a Marxist and a feminist, something of a radical revolutionary. She accepted the free love movement, postmodernism, secularism, and uh, even uh, at times dabbled in uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse and even the occult. She ended up divorced twice and she aborted the lives of at least two of her babies. She considered herself not only progressive but to be enlightened and smugly better than everyone else because of her progressive values until Jesus got hold of her. When she actually realized in her words, I was foolish, closed-minded, confused, depressed, anxious, arrogant, and filled with darkness. He got her three ways. First, he brought into her life a graduate student who was a serious Bible-believing Christian, and he showed such extraordinary love and integrity and honesty that she just couldn't get him out of her mind. Second, she made a visit to Mother Teresa of Kolkata, and while there, she was impressed with Teresa's dedication to the poor. She made the comment that she admired Teresa's social justice, and Teresa spoke back sharply, this is not social justice, this is me following Jesus. And then a third thing happened. She had a dream. She says that in the dream, she stood in line at the day of judgment and watched as Jesus judged everybody who had ever lived. She says that in the course of that dream, she began to feel all of her sins piling up on top of her. And she said, at some point, I realized every cell of my body was in rebellion against who I was made to be. And when she finally got to her place in front of Jesus, full of shame, full of guilt, and self-loathing, she said instead of condemning her, Jesus reached out and loved her. She was had. The next Sunday, Poplin got up and went to the nearest church she could find, and when the altar call was given, she went racing down. She says in her autobiography, a tornado would not have stopped me from coming to Jesus. I found what I had been looking for all of my life. Mary Poplin is still a professor at Claremont, but now she's a professor who has found this great truth. The deepest longings of your heart can only be satisfied by an intimate relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. This truth is affirmed over and over in the Scripture. Perhaps the best, the, uh, best formulation of it is to be found in one of the classic Christian documents. Augustine, who was a doctor of the church and a saint and ultimately a bishop in the church as well, put it in his magisterial confessions with these opening words, Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. And we humans who are part of your creation desire to praise you. You move us to delight in praising you, for you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You know, when a drought occurs, plants can respond in one of two ways. They do respond in one of two ways. Some plants because of the scorching heat and the lack of water, they wither and they die. 
But there's a certain kind of plant that in the middle of a drought will send its roots even deeper in search of water and will not only find the nourishment it needs, but it will become stronger for future problems. I really think that might be what God is doing with us. He's giving us the opportunity through this pandemic to send our roots even deeper. I do think this is a time of great testing for us that we're going to learn whether or not we're scorched by the sun or whether we die by lack of water or whether we're going to send our roots deeper. And I want to say this, when you send your roots deeply into none other than the God Almighty of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, you'll find what your soul's deepest longings require. You know, it has been a time of testing. I've listened to you guys. I've interacted with a lot of you. We have single adults who uh, live alone. In some cases, really don't have a strong social network outside of working, who are just feeling painfully lonely right now. We've had one or two of our members who've lost family members to death during the pandemic. And my heart's so heavy, I can barely say this. Who, because of the quarantine, were unable to hold the hands of a family member as they slipped from the bonds of this life into the next. We've had people who've lost their income at North Boulevard. At least one of our members has had the virus. He's recovered now, but he's had it. We've had family members of ours who've had the virus. We've seen vacations canceled, projects that were really important postponed. Um, even, even things that may not seem as important become important when they pile up. But even our own university, MTSU's women basketball team was on the verge of something big when suddenly everything was called off. Uh, we've seen people who suddenly have to deal with demons they've been suppressing by their busyness for maybe months or years now suddenly have to deal with all those demons. Relationships that have been a blessing but a blessing sometimes manageable because we're able to go outside and do things now suddenly have intensified and some of the problems of those relationships have intensified. Here's what I want to say to you in the face of all of that. I want to say to you that this is a time for our roots to go deeply and to realize our deepest yearnings, what you're really looking for in life, can ultimately only be found in an intimate relationship with the God of heaven through Jesus Christ. So in his book, The Secret Battle of the Ideas About God, Jeff Myers says there are five longings of the soul everyone has. You might come up with different ones. These are pretty good. He says every single human is designed to ask these questions. Am I lovable? Does someone love me? Why do I feel pain and why do I hurt? Does my life have meaning? Why can't we just get along? And then this one. Is there really hope in this life? Now, what Myers argues is that every worldview is actually just an effort to answer these questions. I would go further. I would say every sin is an effort to address these problems. That every addiction is some effort to satisfy these yearnings. In fact, every relationship, good or bad, in some way or another, connects back to these deep yearnings of the soul. And I want to say this about it. It's fine for us to use things in the world. It's great to have a vacation. It's fine to have a nice car. It's great to have a house. It's great to use things so long as we're using things for the purpose of developing an intimate relationship with God. We use everything as followers of Jesus in order to move us towards intimacy with God. 
in relationships. We don't use people and we don't use relationships, but we love people for the purpose of everyone cultivating intimacy with God. That's really what ought to define our love. Our love is not really defined, not biblical love, by how it makes us feel. Our love is designed to bring ourselves and others into an intimate relationship with God. What I want to say is, those of you who are hurting, those of us who are anxious, you're having a hard time sleeping, digestive problems, overeating in some cases, undereating in other cases, conflict at home, a restlessness you can't put your finger on, let me just assure you, when you send your roots deeper and seek an intimacy with God, he will make himself found in the soul's deepest yearnings, the heart's most intense longings will be satisfied. Now, we're really blessed that God put a poem in the Bible about this very point. It's a poem that I've been wanting to use for eight weeks now, and I've been waiting for the right Sunday, and I think this is it. That God would acknowledge in poetry, in his word, that God would acknowledge that sometimes we're lonely and sometimes we're anxious and sometimes we're distraught and sometimes we can't find him, that God would acknowledge that is just one more piece of evidence that God loves us. I mean, you would think that the Bible would only include the good stuff and not the bad stuff. But the honesty of the Bible surpasses the honesty of any other book because in the Bible, we not only get the good stuff, we get the bad stuff and the ugly stuff too. God's an honest God. And so he wants us to know that he can empathize with what we might be feeling right now. It's Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I'd get that out on your phone or your device or uh, if you still use paper in your lap because this psalm is the one I've been waiting for. This psalm was written for this pandemic. It was written for where you are right now. Now, I'm going to read it in just a moment. In fact, I just want to read it. Reading it is just going to stand on its own with very little comment. But before I read it, let me introduce it to you. There's a lot about the psalm that we don't know, but like detectives, we can look at the evidence that's there, and we can sort of build a situation that might have generated this poem, this psalm. It appears that the author of the psalm might have been a prisoner of war who was captured perhaps somewhere in Jerusalem and was on his way up north. So he's north of the Galilee. He's somewhere near Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in the Middle East. It's almost all year round covered with snow, but as the snow melts, the water cascades down. Now, you're used to thinking of the ancient Near East as a dry and arid place, and it is in some places, but right at the foot of Mount Hermon, it's not. It's almost like Gatlinburg. It's gorgeous. The water tumbles down from the mountain. The waterfalls, the headwaters of the Jordan, it's lush and green. There's bamboo up there and beautiful trees, myrtle trees and whatnot. It's a beautiful place. It appears that the author of this psalm has been ripped from his home in Jerusalem where he used to worship God and now he's in exile. And from exile, what he wants to say is, well, let me just summarize some of the things he said. He says in verses 2 and verse 4 that he feels separated from God. He can't go to church like he used to. He feels separated from God. He talks about being downcast and discouraged. He says that his food now are his tears, that he weeps and weeps and weeps. And by the way, there's a play on water throughout the whole psalm, that his tears become his food. He starts out by saying, I'm like a deer who's thirsty for water and I can't get enough to drink. And the thirst he has is the longing, the yearning for God. He says that when he hears the water cascading off the mountains, the sound of the roaring water reminds him of the sound of the songs he used to hear when he could go to church. You know, we put uh, our services in Stones River Manor. We sent them a fire stick so that they could put our services 
on their giant screen televisions. And they were doing that until the manor had to lock down. Now even the people in the manor are limited as to how many times they can gather. But it was actually quite a hit, we're told, because they would show our services at the manor and people would gather around and on the big screen they got to sing with us. So it's one thing to get my sermon, which we were getting on the television program, but now they get the whole service. And they were saying things like, we get to sing again. We get to sing again. Several years ago, I visited one of our members who was in a nursing home. She's gone on to be with the Lord now. She fell and broke her hip about a year and a half or two before I visited her. It was an accident, of course. She had little, little could she have known at that time that breaking her hip would eventually put her in a health care center where she would end up in a nursing home where she would die. It was a long period. But as I was visiting her, she said this. She said, I just had no idea that one day I would fall and that would be the last time I ever got to go to church. And then she said this to me. She said, David, tell people this. Love your church while you can because one day you won't be able to go and it will hurt like nothing else. This guy can't go to church. And he's saying, every time I hear the waterfalls, I remember the music. It was like the joy we used to have in church. I can remember clapping our hands. I can remember the celebrations. And he's hurting over all of this. Meanwhile, he says, I've got people who are taunting me the whole time and saying, where's your God now? That's why I think he's a POW. They're making fun of him. Where is your God? How come your God's not saving you now? You used to go worship him. How come you're in exile now? But he has two things that keep him secure. They're both found in here. Let me just look at one of them. It is verse 8. He says, the Lord still directs his love to me. And at night, the Lord's song is with me. Remember, I mentioned this early on. Don't underestimate the power of singing to get through this pandemic. And then the second thing, he repeats it twice. Verse 5 and verse 11. It's a refrain. It's where he comes back to. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him. What he's saying is, I know that I have a God who redeems everything. God will redeem even this situation. I am not done worshiping God. I will be back. I know I will. Well, let me read it to you. Then a few comments and we'll be done. As a deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. But my soul is downcast within me, and therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the Mount Hermon, from the Mount of Mizar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. But by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Guys, who knows what God's going to do? The pandemic, I don't know what God's going to do. Nobody does yet. But I can tell you this. We have a God who buys back brokenness. That's what he does. A God who is going to rescue us from all the nonsense in which we find ourselves. But he wants it to start now. You see, the real goal of the Christian life is not dying and going to heaven. Can I say that again? The real goal of the Christian life is not dying and going to heaven. That's great. Let's do it. But that's not the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is to have an intimate relationship with God that starts now. We get it now. We don't have to wait for it. It is intimacy with God that will secure us throughout eternity. The goal of the Christian life is one day to have all this mess, all the brokenness, all the sickness, all the dying and all the death, all the pain, all the relational issues we have to deal. The goal of the Christian life is when God removes all those barriers, what's left is a loving, worshipful, intimate relationship with the God who makes us, the God who knows us, and the God who redeems us. It is really what your soul longs for. Now, go on your vacations. I'm for it. Me too. Love your husband. Love your wife. If you're not married, love everybody. Love, love people. Love your kids. Love your parents. L show active love. Get involved in this world. But remember, we love here because it leads us to an intimacy with God. That's what we're up about. We're about becoming intimate with God. He will satisfy the deepest longings of the soul. And you know how to do this, right? We don't need a bunch of new techniques. I, I'm not going to bring you a lot of technology you've never heard of. You know, I'm, I'm 59. I'm tired of it. I just want to do what I know God has already told us to do. Go back to the fundamentals. I want to do this. I want to pray to my God because I know that when I pray, he responds. I want to listen to the Word of God. You don't need another book. You don't need a new book. Just use well the one you've always had. I want to love well. I want to practice the kind of sacrificial, saving love that Jesus has offered. To me, I want to do that for others. When God gives us a chance to get back together, I want to minister well. I want to serve other people. That's what Jesus shows me to do. There's such an intimacy with God that's available when we serve other people. That's what God does. And I want to sing. This is a worshipful church. You guys are people who like to praise. But I'm not sure that Southern evangelicals maybe have focused on the power of worship like we can. I mean, God moves when we sing. He makes himself available to people who sing, who praise him, worship him. Walk around your house singing songs of praise. Let your mantra be that text that we have internalized since the beginning of this pandemic. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My Father is God and I will exalt him. Exodus 15 and verse 2. And God has all sorts of ways of being found. And I like that language. There's a prophet about whom we know almost nothing of the Old Testament. He found in 2 Chronicles 15. He was speaking to the third king of Judah, Asa, who was a reformer and was trying to do what was right. 
So the Lord sent Azariah, uh, ben to Oded, uh, Azariah, son of Oded, to speak to him. And what he said is, he says to this king, if you will seek the Lord. Now, here's what you would think he would say. If you will seek the Lord, you will find him. That's what I would expect. The Bible says that too, by the way, in other places. But that's not exactly what this prophet says. He says, if you will seek the Lord, he will make himself found. I love that even better. But God is standing there waiting for us to seek him. When we seek him, he will be found. And the soul's deepest thirst, like the thirst of a deer, will be satisfied. And you know why? Because God loves you. God adores you. God loves you with all your sin, all your temptations, all your brokenness. God loves you. You are God's child. He loves you like a father loves a child. So I was thinking this week, what song could I sing to you that would communicate to you the kind of love that I think God has for us? And it dawned on me, you know, we got a group of guys who absolutely are in love with you, our shepherds. And I thought, you know, why don't we just take this thing that Sean and the praise team did on Easter Sunday where they had all the little boxes and everybody singing? And my idea about singing, and let's just see if our elders can sing a song to you. Now, They've done this, and I'm about to show it to you. I have to preface it by saying this. Don't be bothered by the fact that they look like they're in prison when they're singing this song and that some of them appear to be homeless. Actually, it's just so endearing. They wanted to sing to you guys because they love you. And the song that we picked was Jesus Loves You, not because it's a child song, because these guys, I've, I've been with them for years. These men love you like shepherds love their sheep. So I just want you to hear this time, your shepherd sing Jesus Loves You, and uh, let's fire that up and see how that plays. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, there you go. It appears that the lockdown has had some kind of effect on their beards as well. Hey, those guys love you. I love you. And one reason why they love you and why I love you is because God loves you. He loves us and he desires an intimate relationship with us. I just want to say this again. We should love the people that God brings before us. It's okay to use the things he gives us. It's okay to use the uh, the, uh, the toys that we have, the money we have, the resources, all that's good. But just remind yourself that that thing that is yearning and longing deep inside your heart, only God can satisfy that. We're like deer panting for water. And the solution is an intimate relationship with God himself. I want you this week, seek an intimate relationship with God and see if he doesn't supply that which is needed for your soul's longings, for your yearnings. When we seek God, he will make himself found. Let's sing a song about it.